0: Hey gang, how are we doing? Uh, It is Tuesday morning and uh, it definitely uh, feels early in the morning for me today. I got to bed very late last night and so I still feel like I'm lagging behind a little bit, but I did make it here on time today and I hope some of you were able to do that as well and join me today as we continue uh, our series looking at the I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. There are seven of them. Last week we talked about his uh, declaration that he is the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life and of course uh, reference the fact that 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 statement, I am, is very clearly related to uh, God's title for himself in Exodus chapter 3 when he comes across Moses and Moses asks him who he is. He says, tell the people, I am who I am, Yahweh. And so these titles throughout John are are not so subtle ways of Jesus declaring to the crowds and to those he's speaking to that he is indeed God in the flesh. And so he says uh, in our second I am statement for today, in John 8, chapter, or John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that's all I'm going to read for today. I'm just going to read the statement, and then we'll talk about, well, a little bit of what what light does. So uh, across the street from where I lived in uh, in New York City from my apartment there, there was a man named uh, Patrick. Some of you have heard about Patrick before. I've talked about him before. It wasn't uncommon to see Patrick on the street talking with people. Actually, he might be one of the more sociable people I've ever met in my life. Uh, Almost every single day, you'd see Patrick talking to somebody, male, female, young, old, black, white. I mean, anyone, everyone. And usually, at some point, he would begin to hold on to their arm. That was just sort of typical, and then walk with them. And that, indeed, has happened to me before. I mean, I've walked with Patrick a number of times. Uh, The first time, out of the blue, I was uh, approached by him in the midst of my busy, oh-so-important life, and asked if I would be willing to walk him to this pizza place that was about six blocks away from our apartment. And I was sort of like taken aback by this. I mean, you know, you get asked for stuff all the time in New York on the streets all the time. You get asked for everything, all the things in the world. But you don't get asked to walk with people. That is not uh, common. People (laughs) tend to walk past you and tend not to walk anywhere near you. Uh, They just want to move. But this guy wanted to walk with me and so I said sure enough and I you know, let him uh, grab my arm because it turned out that the reason Patrick wanted to walk with me is because Patrick is blind and he couldn't get to the pizza place without help. Now the, the Bible says that spiritually speaking that we are all of course blind in darkness, lost, that we have... Uh, we all are in this kind of uh, the same condition. Those are the titles given to us. There's various uh, images that are depicted or given to us depicting our state as sinners. And we don't have to be persuaded of this. I mean, this is sort of one of those uh, most most easily demonstrable um, arguments from Scripture. We know the world has fallen. We sense it in ourselves. We sense it through what we do. We sense it through what... Our friends do, we sense it through uh, what everybody does. We know that sin abides and darkness abides. As Jesus says in Mark 7, for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Whereas Jeremiah simply says, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. And so because we are walking in darkness, because we are lost, because we are blind, because we don't know what we ought to do, or even if we do know, we don't choose to do it because of our sin. That is why we need the light of the world. So so what does the light do? Well, uh, first, the light exposes us. It exposes us to the reality of who God actually is. Indeed, that's what Jesus is proclaiming here in this text. When he says, I am, he is very clearly making that statement about himself. He is proclaiming that he is God in flesh for people. Now, at a distance uh, from us, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty great. Uh, We might think the natural response to such a find would be for people to draw near to him, But take a look at the response to God's presence in the Bible, and you'll find that quite the opposite reaction is normally the case. Think of Isaiah the prophet when he comes in contact with God in his temple, and he immediately cries out, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. Think of Peter when Jesus clearly does the miracle of the miraculous catch of fish for him, and Peter doesn't say, Oh man, this is great, you want to join our fishing crew, Jesus? But no, instead recognizing that he's in the presence of deity, uh, falls on his face and asks for Jesus to leave him, because he is unworthy of his presence. That is the response, so often, to the presence of God. There was a great piece in The Onion a number of years ago. They, did a, uh, they do videos every once in a while, and in this particular video, uh, there was a journalist that claimed that he had snagged uh, an extraordinary interview with God. And in the clip, the interviewer begins uh, saying tonight something truly extraordinary. I have been afforded the divine privilege of an exclusive interview with our celestial creator, God. And the interview begins, God, thank you for joining us. And before the man can even finish the sentence, a bright light with all sorts of loud noise appears, and the journalist is absolutely terrified, and he begins shouting at the top of his lungs, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I understand now. I understand. Why that response? Way to go, Onion, on actually depicting something pretty accurate. Well, because God is holy. And in the presence of holiness, the unholy become utterly aware of their unholiness. That's what the light does. The light exposes us to God and to our sins. That's why we cry out with Peter and Isaiah, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. The light doesn't allow us, the light doesn't allow us to make rationalizations or excuses, which is what we're experts at. We become absolute expert rationalizers in our life and excuse makers. We're, we are pros at it. No, 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 no. I'm not abrasive and rude. I'm just honest and tell it like it is. No, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm just the life of the party. No, I'm not lusting after that woman, I'm just appreciating her beauty. No, 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 I'm not gossiping, I'm just sharing a prayer request. And we could go on and on, because the darkness loves to pretend that it actually is light. But when the real light shines on us, it calls things what they are, and that is, that's hard. It's painful and terrifying. Painful because we begin to see how bad we really are, and terrifying because we recognize that our darkness is worthy of condemnation from a holy God. One of my best friends on planet Earth is a former meth addict. I was just talking to him last night. I've been a Christian now for a number of years. Without going into his sort of amazing story of redemption, I asked him once what got him started on the path to recovery from his addiction, and he said when things were really hitting rock bottom for him, that he was alone in his uh, his apartment, he had lost basically everything, he was avoiding everyone just sitting around, getting high, not eating, and soon to be homeless when when his best friend called him, and he'd been avoiding his best friend for months because his best friend really knew him and wasn't going to allow him to make excuses. And so after avoiding him for months, for some, some uh, reason or another, somehow his best friend finally got him to pick up the phone. And all he said when, uh, all his best friend said when he got on the phone was this Look, man, you're my best friend. I love you. You're going to die. I don't want you to die. I'm here for you. And my friend broke down. And the path to recovery and redemption began. We avoid that light because it is painful, it is hard, but it is necessary. We need the light to expose us to who we really are so that we can see why we really need God. That leads me to the the second point about light. It enlivens. As painful and terrifying as light can be, it is Only the light that actually brings true life. As Jesus says elsewhere, the light is the life of men. How does the light bring life? Well, because the light absorbs the darkness. Jesus absorbs your darkness. Now, now what do I mean by absorb here? Well, what I mean is that in order for us to be brought back to life again, someone has to endure the pain of our darkness. And providing forgiveness always means one has to absorb that pain sounds a little bit like a story I I heard a while back, a number of of, uh, years ago. A 74-year-old man named Robert Godwin in Cleveland was, uh, you might remember this, was randomly shot and killed by a very mentally disturbed man on, on Facebook Live. And it was, I mean, it was out there for a while. You know, people could see this just broadcast on social media. It's awful. And the incident, of course, made national news because of how awful it was. Uh, but what you what you may not have heard is is what happened immediately following the incident. Uh, Tanya Godwin Baines, one of Godwin's daughters, told uh, a reporter that Godwin Baines' family, of course, was absolutely devastated over his loss. But then she also said this as police sort of frantically were going after the killer. She said this in her plea on the news to the young man who murdered my daddy. I ask that you please surrender I forgive you and I love you but most importantly God loves you God can heal your mind and save your soul please that's what it looks like that's light absorbing darkness that is Jesus instead of letting us sink into eternal darkness Jesus dives down deep into the muck and the shame of our sin on the cross and rescues us. As the Song in Christ alone says, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. Every sin, all the darkness that you carry around on any given day, all of it was laid there on the cross. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. The great church father Augustine put it like this, Man's maker was made man. That he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breasts, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tried, be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. Or as 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Matthew reports there was darkness over all the land. The light of the world appears to be swallowed up in darkness and is laid in the tomb. But of course, we know that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the song. Then bursting forth in glorious day. I remember hearing that song for the first time and there's, Uh, It seems like a spontaneous burst of applause at that moment. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. The darkness does not have the final word because the light is alive and still enlivening all in its path. The light shines, and though because of our sin we want to naturally hide from God, now as redeemed, bought, paid for children of God, we are promised that though our sins are as scarlet, we are now seen as white as snow, covered in a robe of the light's righteousness that hides our sin and proclaims us perfect. And that leads to the last point about light. Light empowers Thus, in another spot, Jesus doesn't just say he's the light, but he says to his church, you are the light. You're the light of the world. But how in the world can that be that we are the light of the world with all of our sin and ongoing struggles when he is the light of the world? And the simple answer is, by faith in Christ, because we are united to him there, we thereby are divine partakers of his grace. He, it's as if he is living through us. And therefore, we are empowered to be the light to the world around us. It's just what the Apostle said in Galatians 2, verse 20. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. In the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. You, my friends, are a new creation and are now sons of light to the world around you. And this light that you carry... This treasure in this jar of clay that you carry can empower and change anybody. I've seen it happen. I know it's happened. That's why Saul the persecutor is empowered to be Paul the apostle. Peter the denier is empowered to be Peter the rock. Augustine the adulterer is empowered to be Augustine the bishop of Hippo. Now of course those those are big names that did big things but the same thing is true for you. Every Christian is a dark soul that has simply been absorbed by the light that is Jesus Christ. That that idea really was the inspiration behind uh, the church I planted in New York City and the reason we named it Epiphany. In case you didn't know, that is the name of our church there. And over the last number of years, I have seen this light come into darkened souls throughout the city that have come to that church but we wanted that we wanted to see the light empower and take over darkness all right let me wrap up here it it had just been a few weeks in in my friend that i was telling you about my friend's life since he had been converted to the christian faith meth addicts all sorts of other problems Uh, And now he's a Christian, it's a few weeks in, but he is, I mean, man, he is learning at a record pace. I mean, he's still learning the ropes of what it means. He's starting to read his Bible and trying to piece things together. He's starting to learn Christianese, you know, I mean, he's doing all the things. And he's just starting to experience sort of the, the freedom that comes through knowing Christ as his Lord. And there was so much joy in this friend's life that everywhere he went, he just sort of exuded it like... You know, like a, a kid in a candy store or something. I remember one particular day he was talking to me about uh, some of his experiences in the past, the drugs and the promiscuity and the anger and the hatred that he had for others. And as he talked, his his eyes would tear up and he would say, I feel like for the first time in my life, I see things as they actually are. I feel like I really can see Indeed, that's what the light does, because my friend had gone from darkness to light for the first time he was seeing things as they were meant to be seen. And that's indeed what the light is doing for you, and will continue to do through through you for all of your days. May God bless you this week. Great to be with you here again today for our devotion. I'll see you next Tuesday, gang.